0: You're listening to a A Mamma Mia podcast. Welcome to Lady Startup Stories. I'm Shazie Hunt and this is Mamma Mia's podcast that unpacks how female entrepreneurs built their businesses. Lady Startup Stories is part of the Lady Startup movement that helps women launch and grow their businesses. If it was founded or co-founded by a woman, it's a lady startup.
1: Hi, I'm Tiff Hall and this is my Lady Startup Story.
0: What happens when you are your business and suddenly, for whatever reason, you have to step back and take yourself away from something you've built from the ground up? Well, this is exactly what happened to Tiffany Hall. Since 2016, she had been killing it, creating her online wellness brand, TXO. She was creating online workout content at a superhuman speed, building a community of ninjas who call her by her first name and raising her son. Then she got an opportunity that she could not turn down, a job to work with Chris Hemsworth on his app, Center. And that's when the unexpected happened. Tiff had been burning the candle at both ends when she was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. She no longer could pump out fitness content like she used to or engage with her community as actively as she wanted to. And she had to suddenly step back from a business that she'd poured her heart into. So what's it like building a brand that's so attached to who you are and then having to step away from that? How do you pivot your business to a new direction while staying true to how it started? The inspiring Tiffany Hall joins me now. It's been a decade since you became a household name on The Biggest Loser, but you didn't just suddenly appear on primetime TV one day. Give us the quick version of how you ended up in the fitness and health industry.
1: Oh gosh, the quick version. Okay. Parents were fitness instructors. They run martial arts schools and still do to this day. Dad was an Olympic coach. Mum was a taekwondo instructor, one of the first females to earn her black belt in Australia. So I grew up around health and fitness and that passion and went to university, studied media, journalism, broadcast, writing, all of that, and then was working at Channel 7 in, like, the news, and I saw a little ad in the paper for a TV show and my boyfriend challenged me to go down an audition because it was how fit are you kind of thing and we went down and he said, I'm fitter than you. I said, okay, let's see. Let's do the audition and see. I did the audition. He got booted in the first round and I made it through and became a gladiator. <laughs> and then I thought that's a bit of fun and I quit my job and I moved to Sydney from Melbourne and I filmed a series of gladiators. And then I just started to do more fitness stuff in the media and I was working on The Circle, morning television. I started personal training some celebrities and I was still working as a Taekwondo instructor in our family business and still at uni and stuff. And then one day The Biggest Loser called me up and that's when I started to do more primetime stuff. But, yeah, it was many, many, many years of teaching grassroots all ages, all abilities, all different styles and methods of fitness, boot camps, taekwondo, mixed martial arts, all of it, many, many years until I popped up on TV. And that's the thing, right? Everyone always says, you know, oh, she's an overnight success. But behind (laughs) every overnight success, there's 10 years of hard yakka.
0: But interestingly, you didn't kind of continue on into that television career route. Your subsequent career is much more geared towards self-run businesses. Was that a plan?
1: Absolutely. I always loved writing as well. And that's what I had my qualifications in from university and things. So I always wanted to be a published author and write kids books and stuff, which I did. And I've now published over 12 books, fiction and nonfiction. And I liked having that control. I didn't like waiting for the phone to ring or to know if the show had been renewed or my contract had been renewed. I always wanted more power than that. And when I was on The Biggest Loser, this is before social media, right? TV was the best medium. And I love that I could train Australia, but then everyone was contacting me going, oh, we want you to train me, but I'm in Perth and I'm thinking, how do I do that? Or I'm, you know, in Singapore or or America and I'm thinking – I can't train these people. And so it was my last series of Biggest Loser when I joined Instagram for the first time in 2016. And that's when I thought, oh, I want to try online fitness so I can train everybody and give back. And I loved female empowerment because I'd spent my life studying self-defense and martial arts for women. And I just really wanted to try and empower women through fitness globally. So what were you doing right before you decided, I'm going to launch this business? I got married and that was a huge driver for me. My husband works in entertainment, television, broadcasting. So I thought that was enough and I really wanted to have control over my hours and my time and I wanted to have a family. So getting married was a huge sort of line in the sand for me. I'm done with the TV stuff. I didn't really enjoy it. I didn't like being produced. I didn't like that I didn't have control over what I said or, you know, my image what went out to the public. I didn't like the narrative of reality TV and I didn't also agree with the biggest losers ideals and values at the time. So I was really happy to let that go and I don't think I'll ever return to television. And yeah, I got married and I decided to take the huge risk financially in every way to start my own business and it was huge. It was a really big, brave, bold move.
0: (laughs) Whew. What was your early vision for what we now know as TXO Life? What was it and has it remained the same over time?
1: I wanted to train everybody globally. I wanted to do coaching. At the time, it didn't exist. A lot of people were doing exercises with voiceover and I wanted to train people one-on-one to the television, coaching them, just like we're speaking now. And I wanted to create a program that was personal. I didn't want it to be corporate. I didn't want it to be just a huge commercial thing I really wanted it to be very personal and have a relationship with my members the same way I did in our little taekwondo clubs and I have maintained that I'm very very proud of it although the business has grown to thousands and thousands and thousands of members Our community is very close, and I do know my members, many of them by name, and some of them have been with me since the start. I call them my Day Dot Ninjas because I refer to all of my members as ninjas, and they gave themselves that name back in the day because I imbue a bit of martial arts in the exercise that I teach. And they said, We're ninjas, and it stuck. And I'm so proud of that. But throughout my journey, I've also worked on other fitness apps, developing other fitness apps teaching in other fitness apps, one of which was a global fitness app headed by a massive international Hollywood star. And through being involved with other apps, it has clarified what I want to do, what they've done wrong, what I need to do better. And it's been very helpful and you have to evolve and you have to pivot. And it has evolved as I've evolved as a person. I've become a mother whilst I've had this business. I've had multiple injuries and setbacks and health issues. And, you know, it's life. It doesn't go to plan. So I've had to adapt and I'm getting older as well. So, you know, I've got other trainers coming in because my body can't sustain the level of exercise and workout videos I used to record when I was 27. I'm 37 now, you know, so it's just life and I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I've always been able to be agile. In business.
0: That's kind of like the overview and I'm going to get into some of the nitty-gritty of some of the things you've just discussed. I want to start right back at the beginning of taking this idea that was living in your head and then turning it into a real online business.
1: What happened in those early stages? It was a very funny time because I had only worked with real professionals in the fitness industry. Michelle Bridges, Shannon Ponton, my dad being an Olympic coach, I had access to a lot of the best strength and conditioning coaches, sports dietitians, sports psychologists, like high level right and at the time I started my business, Instagram launched, and all of a sudden I'm seeing these seventeen year olds with no qualifications giving fitness advice, and it really pissed me off <laughs> to be <laughs> honest, and it also freaked me out because. You know, I'm so diligent with my qualifications and my first aid and my insurances and all of that, right? And I'm just thinking how are they getting away with this? So my vision was to create personalized, really high quality content that was delivered by an expert amongst a sea of crap. And I I really did want to cut through all of that at the time because it was really scary and I just couldn't believe it was happening. And I had come off the back of primetime television and I had like less than a thousand followers on Instagram. And I'm thinking, ah, why are these nobodies with no qualifications and they've got half a million followers? Like it was blowing my mind and I just thought you've got to stick in your lane, you've got to do what you know works and keep true to giving that expert advice.
0: Did you have a business plan of what you wanted to happen say in a year and a few years and five years, or were you just winging it?
1: 2016, I had a loose plan of the type of audience I wanted to serve and the content and the offering I wanted to put to market but I didn't have a business plan in terms of in one year I want X amount of members. In two, it was all too unknown with the new factors of social media because I knew that I had rated four nights a week primetime TV, sometimes a million viewers. It was enormous. But then I had less than 500 followers on Instagram. So, I only could afford to market myself on social media through Instagram and Facebook and my numbers were so small that it was completely unknown this whole new world to me. So it was learning as I go and being nimble enough to quickly change content. And that's why I always delivered the content myself because I was able to quickly change it to suit my audience and build my audience and respond to their feedback and what they needed. I would have a business plan today if I did it again, but back then it was just, what is this new social media world? It was crazy. How did you
0: start then to find a developer and make this a real tangible
1: thing on the internet? (laughs) Well, I shopped around a lot and it was extremely expensive. So I finally, through my husband, who's a comedian, he had uh, another comedian and his wife was developing tech in the fitness realm. And I sort of just called her up and I was like, oh, I heard that you sort of do a bit of fitness tech and programs and stuff like that. And I have an idea for like a really healthy way for brides to lose weight because at the time I just got married and the wedding shred was really popular. And I knew all my friends who were fainting from not eating leading up to their weddings. And I thought there's a sustainable way to lose weight and you can do it really fast and effectively, but not hurt yourself and your hormones. Right. So it was this tiny idea. And she's like, oh, God, no, we're not just going to do something for brides. We're going to do something for everybody. And I'm like, oh, okay. So she had connections with a camera crew, producers, social media teams, designers, marketing, PR, all of the things that you need for these online businesses. But I said, hey, I don't want to launch into it. You have to experience me as a trainer. And she's like, okay, so I made everyone involved in her company come to my Taekwondo school and I trained them every day for 30 days. And they said to me, oh my goodness, this is the first time I've had fun doing exercise. Oh my goodness, this is the first time I've woken up and looked forward to exercising. I said, yeah, this is my method, right? And so once everybody, no matter how small their role was, had experienced me as a trainer and understood my offering then we went about putting it together and I'm a very huggy sort of like personable person. Like I'm always a thousand kisses and hugs at the end of every text and you know I'm <laughs> that kind of person and that's where it sort of came out of TIFF XO the kiss and a hug because amongst my training although it was tough and it got results there was a softness to it and it was about self-care and giving yourself that kiss and that cuddle and you know always looking after yourself and having that self-care daily so yeah we came up with the name TiffXO and it kind of stuck and then last year I bought my business we went into a 50/50 partnership joint venture at that time and then in 2020 I bought the other half of my business and I now run it all on my own which was another big step, but I felt that I was ready to do it and have even more control over it. And yeah, it's just been a really fun ride, but gosh, so much hard work and so many learnings. (laughs) I can't
0: wait to take all those learnings and share them with everyone. Actually, one of the things you mentioned was about the cost of development. I feel like there's a bit of a misconception that Online businesses, particularly when you're not making a product as such, are really cheap businesses and that everyone should be
1: doing it. Is that a complete misconception? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because of the CPA, the cost per acquisition of your customer, you might need to spend a hundred bucks on Facebook advertising to get one customer who spends. I don't know, maybe 99 bucks or 80 bucks. And that's the lifetime of your customer, right? And it just keeps getting driven up the CPA. Like there are companies out there spending 20 mil on Facebook advertising every year and you just can't compete with that. So it is really, really tough. And if you want good quality content, then the editing is quite expensive the filming and also if you've got a big community like I do housing of the database and the hosting that's also expensive you're basically paying rent as you would for you know having your own gym and you know the tech stuff the privacy the security our devs are amazing and it's a lot of work, keeping the tech running and making sure that your site's not crashing and always developing the website to be better and better and better. And it's not like you walk into a store and you buy a top and you take it home. And you go, I don't like this top and you send it back and you never really have contact with the designer of that top. But in my business, I have a Facebook community. I have Instagram. I have a help desk. I have all of these Ways that people can personally get in contact with me and tell me what they think of my product, ask questions about my product, you know. So it's the new world and it's a lot to keep up with. Our Facebook community is moderated 24 7 from 8 a.m. to 11 p.m. at night. Always people answering questions on our Facebook community about food, about nutrition, mindset, exercise, anything anything. So it's huge. It's a lot of manpower still.
0: And you mentioned the online community being a huge part of the business. Was that something you set out to create when you started the business or did it just kind of happen organically?
1: A hundred percent. I set out to do that. All I knew was community fitness. My parents have six full-time Taekwondo clubs, schools in Melbourne, and I've got photos of me at three years old, I grew up in these Taekwondo schools and all I understood was membership and retention and community. And whether it was like a training pizza night on a Friday night, or we'd go to these training fun camps on weekends, or we'd go do demonstrations and free self-defense courses in Mooney Valley Festival or one of our local festivals. Like It was all about community. And so I took that which was very natural to me and applied it online through our Facebook community. And it's been the magic of TXO. Like it's created the retention I needed to run a business and pay my staff and do all the things I needed to do. And it's the magic. It's that support. And it's women supporting women. And it's it's just been such a lifesaver. And everything I do is for that community. And plus they have developed TXO as much as I have. They've given me their feedback and I've always acted on it and I've always taken it into consideration. And they're like, what about we do this? Or we'd really love it if you offered that. And then I'd go away, we'd do surveys. And it's a great place to have this focus group where you can really test your business and you know develop your business through their feedback, which is an amazing resource.
0: And you mentioned obviously being inspired by bricks and mortar style gyms. One of the other things with those kind of gyms is they have quite a high turnover of members. You know, people come and go, they lose interest, lose motivation, they move,
1: whatever. Is that the same in an online fitness world or is it quite different? It is. There's a lot of competition between the fitness apps and free fitness on YouTube and all of those free fitness apps. But I came to it from a different perspective because in the taekwondo world where I grew up, there isn't a high turnover. People join, they become a white belt, and they hang in there for years until they get their black belt. There's always a timeline, and the life cycle of a customer is about three years. So for me, I didn't know that quick turnover and I wasn't going to stand for it. So I integrated what I had learned that keeping it goal oriented, like the belt system. White, yellow, blue, red, black, Dan levels, blah, blah, blah. I integrated all of that into the TXO program. So it's goal driven, it's community based, there's accountability. And I also wanted to be very, very present. I don't know anybody else in the fitness industry who checks in with their members every day (laughs) like I do. And they're probably sick of me, but I'm in the Facebook community talking to them, either doing a live or a recorded video or, and it's constant accountability and that's what keeps them around.
0: How many memberships did you have to kind of hit in that early stage in order to go, I can't just keep working for free anymore? Yeah.
1: It was really hard. It felt like I was working for free for a very long time. And everything I earned I put back into the business. So oh gosh, I reckon it was a good three years wow. before I was earning something off the top and able to put stuff back into the business and invest. So I do find that in the younger generation, people who come to work for me, they want to get their own thing going. And I do mentor a lot of young kids in fitness and things, and they don't kind of get that you do have to do a lot for free. Like I offered some young ones to come and do some lives with me and stuff like that on Instagram, you know, learn how to be on camera because it's a future now. And they're like, yeah that'll cost you like 180 bucks I'm like oh god I'm not going to pay you don't you see that the exposure is a payment you know they don't think oh so that mentality of you've got to work for free for a bit you've got to build your audience you've got to get the exposure at all costs I don't know if people kind of realize that but it's worth it in the long run but you do have to do a lot of hard yards and really (laughs) work for it very hard
0: you did some work with Chris Hemsworth on his Center app and traditionally in business working with someone who's a direct competitor seems like a crazy thing to do why is that the right thing to do for you and why is the rules different now in
1: this online world well when Chris approached me I couldn't say no to it he I wouldn't he say no to a Hemsworth know to... I couldn't say no <laughs> to him oh my goodness so <laughs> I flew to London and I trained Chris and I trained Elsa and I had a nine-month baby strapped to my chest. It was pretty full-on, and uh, I was breastfeeding in the toilets and like then going out to train Chris Hemsworth on camera. It was all a bit nuts, but um, he offered me the director of training role for his entire app, which meant I wrote and oversaw the programs of all of his trainers, all thirteen of them, and helped develop the app to be very successful. But he was global, right? Whereas I'm local, I'm only really in Australia. I do have a lot of members in the US and the UK, but nothing compared to like Chris Hemsworth's program. And so my thinking was to work with Chris Hemsworth for a year, push myself and learn as much as I could, and then leave and launch TIFXO once I had been on camera in the States, in centre, globally. But I worked so hard that I ran myself into the ground because I had a full-time job with Centre and I was running my own business, Tifexo, and I had a baby for the first time and it was a lot and I ended up getting sick with the chronic fatigue syndrome instead of being able to initiate what I wanted, which was a huge life lesson for me. So it all works out in the end because I learned what I needed to learn from center. I had great fun. It really challenged me as a trainer and it was just a wild ride. But I've also learned the power of saying no and the power of self-care and looking after yourself, not training everybody else and running yourself into the ground. And I think that lesson has been something I'd rather learn earlier in my career and you know, have that burnout then then learn it later on when I've got more to lose, if that makes sense. And that's why I sort of came back and I bought the other half of my business and I have done it all on my own. And I don't know if I still am keen to launch into other markets. I'm pretty happy with what I'm achieving here in Australia and my audience here. And I'm sort of in the stage of my life where I'd like to expand my family and have more kids and I don't know. I'm still very, very ambitious, but there's got to be a balance there, right? How do you find that adjustment, you know, when you started the
0: business? It's literally named after you and you're so integral and essential to its operation. But then, you know, life happens, pregnancy, birth, kids, health. How do you kind of find a way then to carry on the level of involvement that you're happy with, but
1: you have to let life take over? It's really hard. So I'm the CEO now. And I had to resource up and employ other people. And then it was a big moment for me when some of my staff said, can you let me do my job? And I was like, (laughs) what do you mean? Because I was micromanaging. I was overseeing everyone. I was in every single meeting. I was taking every call. And then all of a sudden, I realized that's not what a CEO does. Like I'm doing the work of everybody. A CEO has to oversee everything, Tiff. So it was hard for me to step back and also to trust other trainers to come in and train my precious audience but i only brought in my friends that i know and trainers that i've worked with for many many years so it's a small team but very expert and you know i'm i'm very happy with where it is now but it's been a huge learning curve for me <laughs> not easy to give up your control over your first baby which is my business
0: <laughs> and how do you find now juggling the realities of looking after this small person with Your role as CEO and wanting to be involved, but kind of accepting that your business baby
1: has to be looked after by other people. Yeah, it's a huge juggle. And, you know, I did get anxiety early on quite badly about not being across everything. But now, through the different battles of the past two years, I've really realized that unless I look after myself, then there is no business. So I always prioritize that and I say to myself, well, me having a rest now allows me to be here and do well over the next month. You know, and I'll get to that in time. But I play this game called not now. <laughs> and it's just two powerful words. And I just say it in my head, not now, not now. It doesn't mean it doesn't get done. It doesn't mean that it it's not urgent or important. It just means that now is not the time for that. Now I'm going to go and I'm going to close my eyes and do a quick meditation or go for a walk or go to the playground with my son or make myself a nourishing smoothie, you know, and it's, it's just the not nows. That's what's changed. Whereas before I felt an urgency to do everything. And I ran on urge and urge, I think can be quite dangerous in business when you just have to do everything and you're worrying about your competitors and it's urge, urge, urge. But I feel like I've broken myself of that now. I'm very proud of it. I don't live on urge. I live on, you know, my time and my timetable and looking after myself, which is really, really important.
0: And with your admission about your chronic fatigue syndrome, from a practical perspective, what did that mean? for the business, what kind of organizational changes needed to be implemented so you could give your health the attention it deserves?
1: I had to fully step back. And that meant going dark on all my socials, not checking in with my members. And it meant being completely transparent because I had been pushing so hard to hide it for so long. And that was making me sicker and sicker and sicker. So it was like, hang on a minute. And I did, I worked with a psychologist because It was really hard for me. I lost my identity as a fitness person. I couldn't train. I couldn't do the things that I wanted to do. So I worked with a psychologist on how best to be transparent and honest with people and just trust that they would understand because I had all these issues around, you know, will they think I'm a fake if I can't Mm. exercise? Will they run away and desert me if i can't offer them what i used to blah 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 anyway i sat down with my community i said i'm sick i need to take some time off i need to look after myself and i was completely honest and the response was amazing because they said, you're walking a talk, you're taking care of yourself. This is what our community is about. It's saying, I need to take a break. I need to do some things for myself. I'll come back. I resourced up and I got excellent trainers to come in and do fantastic, fun, new, exciting programs. I got some business partners to come in and they helped me with the day-to-day running of the business. And I got myself a personal assistant who could take over my emails and I had a social media manager. To just run my socials and make sure that it was all okay whilst I wasn't posting new content, but you know, just looking after them. And I just took the time. I worked at a chronic fatigue clinic, I did graded exercise therapies, I worked with a psychologist. You know, I did all the basics, and I'm in a really good position now with my health. I've got a bit of a sore throat today. <laughs> Sorry for the croakiness, but my chronic fatigue is really improved because I'm very strict now about. When I give to others and when I give to myself.
0: And that would undoubtedly hold you in good stead as you talked about expanding your family. And yes. Even though, you know, this was kind of brought on by a deliberate situation, now you can kind of see that the world will continue, the business will continue, even without oh, yeah. mean, your fingerprints completely on it. <laughs> yes.
1: And I think I've always been a victim of working in the business, not working on the business. Like I would be on camera filming the workouts, but then I would be. Checking the frames on the cameras just before they roll. I'd be taking PR phone calls in between. I'd be managing staff in between workouts. And then I'd jump on set and quickly do, you know, a 20 minute workout. Like it was insanity. And so now I'm like, I want to oversee the business. I don't want to be so in it that I can't be creative and really look after my members through inventing cool and fun new things for them to experience fitness. That's it. And if
0: you're in it, then how are you going to see that big picture? And that's what I wanted to come to next was about TXO Flex. So the activewear which launched earlier this year, how different was it for you going from a service-based
1: business like TXO Life to doing a product-based Yeah, e-commerce, completely different world. I'm still learning. And the logistics were insane. So our warehouse and shipping and all of that, and even integrating the payment methods onto our e-commerce shop and, you know, everything from hiring models and making those decisions and amazing. And also the design. (laughs) I had a team of professional designers that I worked with and they helped school me in it. And I knew what I wanted, but there's so much to learn, but I'm still learning and it's so different. Not having the control of it like I do with the fitness program, where I know this program, X amount of squats, push ups, blah, blah, blah equals this result. I just know that. <laughs> but I don't know anything about marketing activewear or how quickly it would sell. And it pretty much sold out in two days. But I was standing there like, is that good? I don't know. <laughs> like, I still don't understand, like, yeah, if it's good or if it's not, or like, yeah. So we're just, I'm feeling my way through it. What was it like launching that? And did it feel like a
0: natural progression after having done your online program?
1: So natural. It's always been my dream to have my own activewear line and I've lived in it. And even when I was at university and I was teaching body pump, body combat, you know, boot camps, all the classes, and that was like my job. I'd go to university in my little body pump shorts and singlet and activewear. And no one wore activewear around. Like this is 2000. And people look at me like, what is she wearing? Right. <laughs> Whereas now I go to Kinder to pick up Arnold and everyone's in activewear. You know, you just wear it. <laughs> so I feel like I've pioneered it. And I know what works from a technical functional level and also what works to make you feel really awesome in it and fashion meets that function. So it felt like a really natural progression and it's been really embraced by my community who have just loved it. And it's because of my community, it felt like a team t-shirt you know like a little club hoodie and you know that vibe that we're all in it together and supporting each other and we've got the uniform and we do the workouts and it's just this beautiful vibe and that's what i really wanted
0: both the online program and also the active workshop are housed on the same website mytxo.com is that a deliberate strategy to kind of work towards creating a txo empire
1: I really wanted it to be a lifestyle program where you could buy your activewear, feel empowered, go and do the workout. And it's all about good quality stuff, right? And I've applied the same principles of expert, good quality content to the active wear I've lived in active my whole life I want a good quality active wear as well and we're about to launch our supplements which is so exciting and I haven't told anyone about this but I'm launching my own protein powders with collagen in them they're just so fantastic and that's the same problem I had with the fitness program right I couldn't find a protein powder that was basic, that I understood what ingredients was in there, that it had everything that I needed from a sports performance perspective and for my skin and recovery and everything. So I'm really, really excited about integrating the products into the lifestyle of TXO Life so that everything you need to feel well and I guess it's a way of, if you're looking at my active wear tights, I'd love you to consider maybe doing one of my workouts. It's a subtle way of trying to help people be more healthy, help people realize that exercise can be fun and addictive and life-changing. So I really wanted that shopping experience to just mix with empowerment and looking after yourself. And that's why a lot of people who shop with Flex, you know, you do get discounts on TXO Life and my fitness programs and things like that. So I'm really trying to look after people through sort of dangling the carrot of some sexy, you know, tights. Come on, come and do a workout with me, please. Come, yeah. come for the tights yeah. to wear to the coffee exactly. shop and stay for the workout.
0: <laughs> and I'm sure when you think about creating an empire, how do you know especially when you've already got an established brand, established identity, how do you know which of your new ideas are a good fit with that brand and which ones are perhaps a little bit too far of a reach?
1: Everyone in my team and myself are really connected with our customer and our audience. I don't know. I just never wanted to be in an ivory tower looking down and have nothing to do with my members you know what I mean like they see me in my pjs at night having a chat to them or you know I'll, I'll be in the middle of doing a video to them and my little boy will run in and say mommy I've got a poo and I'm like oh my gosh like <laughs> it's just I just always wanted to keep it super authentic super real super approachable and I think If you have that connection with your customer and audience and you really know who they are because they are really me, then I think you always know which idea is going to work and, you know, everything I do is for them. And I've done things like I've heard in my community that some of my members are catching up to have a lunch, like 30 of them. And so I'll turn up to the lunch and surprise them. And, you know, I'm always doing stuff like that, hanging out with them, getting to know them, getting to know their needs, their wants, their desires. And I think that's really important, staying in touch.
0: So you kind of keep that in mind when you think of a new brainwave and go, hang on, is that actually going to serve them any well? Yeah.
1: And for example, I've been recently really obsessed with high-tech offerings with the fitness apps, you know, like Peloton, Mirror, Vault, all of those amazing companies that are offering very expensive tech with the fitness, you know, and I got, I got carried away with ideas of how I could do that. But then I thought, that's not my customer. We're about simplicity. We're about not having gimmicks. We're about keeping it simple and affordable, not spending three grand on a bike. You just got to filter it all out and not get carried away by what your competitors are doing.
0: Finally, we finish every lady startup episode by asking the fast five questions. So here we go. Okay. Question one, what's the most useful app to help with your business
1: operation? Trello. And what's that do? Trello has a number of boards. They look like pin boards and you're able to put photos, videos, any kind of media in there. You're able to write and talk to people in your team and tag them in it and then you're able to label each card or board, as done, or they can have any label you want, like approved or needs to be worked on, blah blah blah, work in progress. And it's a great organizational tool for the whole business to be connected and on the same page as to you know long term goals and planning. Perfect. Question two: What's the part
0: of your business that you love the most and the part you hate the most?
1: Uh, I love the most being on camera and teaching exercise. I'm a personal trainer. So that one-on-one, just me and the camera teaching, that's my sweet spot. Love that. I don't love business meetings and the big (laughs) business decisions. And I don't love the financials. I find that incredibly stressful. So When I know my weaknesses, I hire people. So I've got brilliant accounting team that looks after that and a brilliant bookkeeper and all of that's taken care of. But yeah, hate the financials. Question three, do you have any regrets about the business? I probably regret doing Centre. I do. I regret doing it because it pushed me over the edge and I got sick afterwards. It was too much of a commitment. And although I learned a lot from it, it cost me a lot at the same time. So that's probably my biggest regret. I should have just stuck to Tifaxo and doing what I knew worked and trusting myself. I think I was a little bit naive and I also was looking to other people for, oh, I don't trust my worth and I don't trust myself and there must be something better out there and I should go looking across the whole world to find it when everything I needed was right here. And I should have, I should have, yeah, lent on myself more back then, I think. Yeah. Question four, what does success look like for you? Oh dear, success for me is having a community of people, whether it's five people or 50,000 people who have transformed their life through health and fitness. And that's all I've ever wanted, you know, for people to turn around to me and say, wow, you've shown me a way to feel my best, to have my best energy and to give to those that I love in the best way possible. And that to me is success. And it's also having that balance in life now between my business and my personal life and being well myself. That's really important to me, having that balance.
0: And finally, rounding up the five from your experiences, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give to anyone starting their own
1: business? I think it's coming back to what I just said about trusting yourself and also just get as many qualifications as you can in your area. Don't be just like, I just want to get into fitness. This is advice for someone who wants to get into like my industry. Really hone in on your skills. My point of difference was martial arts and taekwondo and Female focused fitness, you know, and empowerment of women. That's where I wanted to go. And so I got the highest level of qualification in the world for that, which was my sixth stand black belt. And I did coaching diplomas and blah, blah, blah. And I just went for it. And it's so, so, so important because at the end of the day, you know, you can have all the bells and whistles and a million followers on Instagram and the prettiest feed in the world if you want to do online fitness, but it'll fall apart one day and you need to have those qualifications. You really do. Don't skimp on that. <laughs> Tiffany Hall, thank you for joining
0: us on Lady Startup and sharing your incredible personal business story. Oh,
1: thank you so much for having me. Real pleasure. Thank you.
0: And now it's over to Mia Friedman for her Lady Startup lesson.
2: Hey, it's Mia Friedman here. I'm the founder of Lady Startup and the co-founder of the Mum and Mia Women's Media Company. And I'm popping into your ears for your weekly lady Startup Lesson. Now, I actually spoke to Tiff Hall a few years ago on one of our other podcasts, No Filter. I interviewed her and it was soon after she had her baby and we compared tummies because it was quite interesting to see her with her tummy hanging out. And you might remember she posted some photos of herself with no abs as is so often the case after you have a baby and even after you haven't had a baby and it won her a whole legion of new fans and followers. I was blown away by her back then, not just because of that, I kind of, assumed that she was just that girl from The Biggest Loser that sort of the trainer on television and not much else but I couldn't have been more wrong and I love it when I'm wrong. I was really struck at the time by how ambitious she was. That was something I hadn't been expecting and in the chat you just heard with Shazzy it's clear that this ambition that Tiff had and still has to push herself and her business ultimately took a really heavy toll. She took on way too many responsibilities and ended up developing chronic fatigue syndrome. And unfortunately, this can be kind of common for lady startups. We've heard it from big names on this podcast before, and we see it from all types and sizes of businesses in our social and online course communities. Fatigue, exhaustion, burnout. It might not be as serious as what happened to TIFF, but that constant cycle is one that's really, really familiar to most of us in business, including me. I know that when I started out in business, I was wearing all the hats. I was the head of finance, the sales exec, the marketing director, the graphic designer, the writer, the editor, as we all are when we start our businesses. And I also did the customer service and community management. I had to do everything because I couldn't afford to hire anyone. And I was working 18 hour days, seven days a week. And then I had a baby and I was breastfeeding at two in the morning while moderating a thousand comments. It was absolutely exhausting and I knew that I was hitting burnout level. The reality is that when you first start your business, you kind of need to be ready to be exhausted and roll up your sleeves. But that isn't a long-term strategy. There might not be any escaping it at the start, but you need a longer-term solution, and that is outsourcing. When Tiff got diagnosed with chronic fatigue, she started delegating and she stopped micromanaging, and she was forced to hire new people to minimize her workload. She had no choice. So she brought on new trainers and an assistant and a social team so that she could go back to doing what she does best and really focus on that to make her business bigger and better. And it meant that someone else could be handling the tasks that didn't really require her special skills and even, and especially, people who were more skilled at those tasks than she was. Because even if you do everything, it doesn't mean you're the best person to do everything. I know a lot of you will be thinking, but I can't afford to outsource anything. I can't afford to hire staff. I understand. But outsourcing doesn't have to be a big hire. We talk about this a lot in our online course, The Rocket Plan. It can be something like a virtual assistant or maybe a freelancer just to help you a few hours a week. So it's not a big commitment. You don't have to worry about paying someone for more time than you can afford. And once things take off, you can really grow from there. But I want to leave you with this last message. Outsourcing shouldn't come after you burn yourself out. I want you to try and look for the signs that you or your business are stalling. Check in with yourself. And if you notice things going off course, if you're constantly, completely exhausted and overwhelmed, ask yourself, can this task be done by someone who's not me? That's it from me. It's back to Shazzy.
0: Thanks for listening to Lady Startup Stories. You can find out more about the Lady Startup courses by heading online to www.ladystartup.com pages home. If you want to get in contact with us, send us an email to lsu at mamamia.com.au. Lady Startup Stories is produced by Michaela Floriano. The executive producer of Lady Startup Stories is Eliza Ratliff. And I'm your host, Shazie Hunt. Until next time, join us on mamamia.com.au.